You are listening to episode 222 of the Game Deflators podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody here at the Game Deflators podcast. We like to talk about games. We've recently picked up games we're currently playing, and we learned how to cheese the first boss in this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So this week we're playing a little bit of Mystic Defender on the Sega Genesis, and we're also joined by Phil. Hey guys, what's going on? Pretty good to have you on the show, man. Uh, Phil, do you want to let the folks know where you're from and who you are? Hello everyone, uh, my name is Philip Perez. My channel is Phil One Up Collects. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter by the same uh, name. I used to go by the Jokester Mr. J, but it's Phil One Up Collects. So. Yeah, lots of fun stuff in store there. Before we go into our discussion topic, we'll uh, chat our recent pickups. So since it's your first time on here, uh, Ryan and I will kick this off and then you can kind of follow our lead and in terms of, you know, how we go about this. But so for my pickup uh, this week, I got quite a few things. Uh, The one big thing that I got this week was an Xbox 360 collection and an Xbox One collection. Uh, So tons and tons of games. God, what I say? I paid Ryan like two twenty, I think, for that collection. Something like that, yeah, yeah. So deals are out there to be found. Um, you know, it, it's some good stuff in there. A number of Spider-Man games, which is kind of nice. Uh, Halo is in there. Um, Rare Replay, Mortal Kombat, just tons of great games uh, are in this collection. So, at some point, I'll post a picture of the collection on our Instagram and our um, other channels. And, How many games uh, total was it? Uh, Seventy-eight. Dang! Wow. That's a lot of games. I wish I had that luck. (laughs) I wish I had that luck. (laughs) I mean, dude, it's persistence. Like I, I I told you that before in like our Twitter chats. Um, It's just sitting back and waiting for deals to happen. Like I'm not just opening up my phone and, Oh cool. There's a deal. Let me go find it. Or I'm not just like walking into like one random yard sale. I mean, I'm talking, I'm checking like at least once an hour to see if there's something in my area that I can jump into. Now, obviously your situation is a little bit different um, based on where you're at. And uh, we'll kind of talk about that too in your experiences with game collecting. But I mean, it's all about persistence and just kind of, you know, keeping up with like what's out there. Um, You know, Ryan will tell you I'll hit up a thrift store every single day, once a day, uh, sometimes twice a day, trying to find a deal and I find them, but it takes me having to go to that same place almost every single day to get a hit. So I might hit twice in a week. I might hit zero times in a month. You just never know. Um, but it's all about keeping up with it. So there's a reason I've been able to accumulate the games I have. And at such a, I guess, a minimal cost to me personally, uh, just because, you know, obviously eBay and other things kind of kick in to offset some of that cost. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's just a process. Like it just takes time. And I've been doing it for like 15 years now. So, uh, all right. So collecting wise, uh, that's what I picked up. I'm trying to think of any other stuff I bought. Uh, actually, you know what? I did buy something else. It was on eBay. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure. So let me check. Yeah. So I actually ordered a copy of Halo Wars. I don't know why, but it was a dollar. So 
complete in box on eBay for a dollar. I mean, five seventy for shipping, but still, that's under the price point um, that it normally would be. And it's complete in box, looks like new condition, and I didn't have a copy of Halo Wars, so now I do. That's Might as well. Cool. Uh, it is. And as far as uh, what I am currently playing, so Cardia um, on PS1, I kind of picked that up last night, played a little bit more of it, uh, started getting into the actual battle, my next battle uh, for that. Story's picking up a little bit, Ryan. It's uh, It's not where I would want it to be, but it's definitely picking up. And then Factorio, the factory must grow. So I have continued to play Factorio. Uh, we finally have the weapons capable of destroying aliens in various areas. So we have made our way through to our uranium deposit, and we are going to start building nuclear weapons to start blowing up the rest of the aliens. That's our goal. So it's a ton of fun, dude. Like I have been consumed by Factorio. Like I will sit there and say, oh, I've got to list things on eBay. Oh, I need to go ahead and play Cardia or some other game. No, the factory must grow. How how many hours deep are you? Um, let us know when you hit a hundred. Forty. Yeah, you're you're on your way. Yeah, you <laughs> This is going to be your new One Piece. Now that you have no One Piece, you'll just be Factorio. Oh no, I've I've been reading the manga, so there is a manga for that one. And then uh, we recently just beat Ghost Giant on the PS4 for VR. So that was oh, you actually. Said- you wrote Beast Ghost Giant. I was like, what is that? I don't know what you're talking about, Ryan. This is Beat. <laughs> you always call me out. Hey, you know what? You're not the one reading it. So there's a difference. <laughs> like, I knew what I was reading because I wrote down the note. You didn't. <laughs> so, clear difference. I think our, our viewers would agree. Um, all right. Ryan, how about yourself? Okay. So, folks, I resolved the Pikmin issue, I think. I spent about an hour the other morning and I did some nefarious stuff. And now I have an iPad, which will play GameCube titles. It's wow. uh, it's very, yeah, it, it took very little effort. I was surprised. Uh, I needed a computer to do it and I have one of those. So, you know, very little standing between me and my goals. I have been messing around with custom robo, which is not as good as I remember. Uh, uh, it's okay. I, I may or may not continue to mess around with that. I have tried some Pikmin and I can verify that it runs very well up to like at least 21 Pikmin. Once we get like a hundred Pikmin on screen, like we'll see what happens, but this may be a solution for now. Um, I just think it's hilarious. Some of our discussions that we had several years ago when I was like, Hey, some of those games we just might want to emulate because if I don't own them yet and you're like, no, we should never do emulation. And here we are. Well, no, I was talking about emulation for the purposes of, is it worth it or not? I don't like, know. Ryan. I'm not, I'm not when, doing an inflation deflation. This is the new games resolution. Totally different topic. Well, no, because after your resolution's done, you're going to specifically say if it was worth it or not. What? Yeah. We've done this every year. We say if it's worth oh, well, it to play it. Yeah. So the thing is, like, I then I definitely want to play the actual game because the quality is definitely not no, going to be nearly no. as good. You've already dove into the the dark side. You're already I've there. Got to jump back out. Doesn't work. Like, like this is my first emulator. Go ahead. I've got a point on emulation. So there's a lot of games out there. Some of them are really stupid expensive. 
and there's one game that I wish I had in my collection that I'm never going to have in my collection, and I've come to the conclusion of that. Um, and that game would be Kulon on the PS2. Now, I've heard a lot of people in the collector circles mm. say that that game is horrible. I have a PS2 that has, you know, the heart plays games off the hard drives, loaded with games, and that was one of the games that I played on it. I played about three to four hours of that game, and I absolutely loved it. The opening cutscene and the theme song, I uh, love the, the graphics, the aesthetic of it. Uh, it felt like playing Fatal Frame fused with Onimusha to me. Even though the combat was really clunky and kind of poor, I just thought it was such a great game and something that FromSoft never did again. And I would love for them to revisit something like that now with how games look and play. Uh, so I would love to actually have that, even digitally, but... I'm never going to. And paying a thousand dollars for that game? Are you kidding me? I would rather use that to, for so many other things. I just can't bring myself to pay that for it. And there's lots of games like that. So for me, the only way I'm going to get to play that is through emulation, unless they release it digitally. So with something like the Steam hey, Deck, never say, never say never. Um, I thought yeah, the same I... thing with Kuon and Rule of Rose because those are the two highest priced ones. Rule of Rose, I found at a flea market for $2.50. You've got to be kidding me. That was when it was, that's when it was like $350 at the time. And wow. that's when GameStop was still doing PS2 games. But point is, you never know when you're going to find those games. Same thing with my copy of Kuon. I got it pretty cheap. And that's because at the time, the person didn't know what it was worth at that. Actually, it wasn't even worth that much at the time. I think it was in the $70, $80 range at that time, if I recall. And I got it for like 20 bucks. But I'm we're talking like 10 years ago at that one. Um, oh. <laughs> point being, though, those games come around. And if you are persistent with your collecting habits and, and how you go about thrifting, those deals will find their way to you. That's just all it you're, is. You're going to have um, to teach me some skills because you sound like the master, like the Gandalf of collecting here. I mean, I, I think it's a different world than it was 10 years ago. It was, but I still do the same thing today. I mean, dude, three years ago, I picked up, uh, what is it, Captain Commando on a Super Nintendo. It's like a hundred something dollar game. I bought a whole collection with that included for a hundred dollars. Yeah. It just happens. Like you, you just come across deals like they... The collection I bought not too long ago. I mean, it was definitely expensive, but I got it for fifty percent of retail value. Yeah, so it, I guess I mean, it's like you can win the lottery. You might not win like the Powerball Mega Million, but you could still win the lottery. Yeah. So I mean, all they I, come along. All I seem to find is like lots where it's a bunch of shovelware in there, and I'm like, <sighs> "Hey, man, some of that shovelware is good stuff, like price wise." Um, like Coraline, I found Coraline at a thrift store. I don't know, two or three months ago, maybe longer, and it was like three bucks. It's like a sixty dollar game. Um, you just come across them every now and then. <clears throat> so, uh, but I do agree with you on Kuon. Uh, we had our episode "Scary Games at a Scary Price," and that featured uh, Kuon, 
Haunting Grounds, and Roll of Rose. No, what was it Roll of Rose? No, it was Obscure. We played Obscure mm. in that one. Yeah. I wanted a copy so, of that is actually on our YouTube. I channel. might have to bite the bullet and just buy that because I really want that game. Yeah, you have obscure aftermath too. Yeah, that one's that one's fairly cheap. I don't understand why the sequel is so much cheaper. It's like 30, 40 bucks, but the first one is like two hundred and something. Yeah. I remember when that game was sitting at forty dollars and the sequel is like eight dollars. And I didn't want to like bite the bullet and spend 40. Like, I'm glad I found it when I did, but like, uh, that's, that's just how collecting is. You never know when things are going to shoot up like that. Um, so Phil, how about yourself? Any, uh, recent pickups or something you're playing right now? Uh, yeah. Recent pickups, uh, Best Buy had Returnal on the PS5 for like $17.99 and I snagged that because that was just a great price for that and it completely sold off at Best Buy. So I got that. Um, I got, um, SpongeBob the Cosmic Shake on a price error from them. It's supposed to be 40 bucks when it dropped and it just came out. I got it for like 20 But they kind of had this thing where they weren't shipping it. And I thought they were going to like cancel it. And I had no idea why they hadn't shipped it. It said it was delayed, even though it was in stock. And I'm like, if they try to cancel this on me, because I got a price there, I'm going to be so ticked off. But it came. So I got that. I got, uh, let's see over here. I got Pac-Man World Repack on the PS5. So those are a few. I have tons of boxes I need to open since October till now of like holiday pickups, Christmas pickups, picks up pickups from VGP that I got at pretty good discount because of uh, uh, bonuses that I had and credits. Uh, so that's a lot of the stuff that I picked up. I need to sit down and make a big video. There's probably like 50 games or more in all these boxes, something like that. Uh, as for games that I played recently, um, well, I've me and my friend have been playing Strange Brigade on the PS4, and that is the game that nobody is playing. Like, so that's an online multiplayer co op game that no one is touching. You search for a match, and it's completely dead. But it's such a fun game. It's like a campy 1950s uh, kind of Indiana Jones meets The Mummy with Brendan Fraser in a game. And the announcer, I don't, it's just so great. Is that cheesy, like, what will the Strange Brigade do next? And I just love that. It's so fun. The, The graphics of the environment are so beautiful. Uh, the enemies do get repetitive. It's a lot of zombie, uh, zombies and mummies and Egyptian type things, but it has such a nice gameplay loop in doing the puzzles to and evading the traps and finding the treasures. It's it's really nice. I would love to see what they would do with the sequel, but I don't think they're ever going to touch it again, which is sad. Um, Aside from that, we started playing Evil Dead, uh, the PS Plus game we got this month, and I really like it. Uh, The maps are really large. You can drive cars and 
find weapons and level up your character kill all these dead eyes it's it's really awesome it, it's really fun uh so we are enjoying that and uh other than that we recently finished uh salt in sacrifice the sequel to salt and sanctuary if you like uh souls likes metroidvanias it's kind of like that but even though we got the platinum for it and we spent a long time playing it i'm overall disappointed with it because they decided to put monster hunter boss chasing in it and it just doesn't work uh i really need to sit down and put out a review for it because i have a lot of thoughts on that uh, they had a nice uh, thing going with Sultan's Sacrifice, but they just decided to throw this curveball in there and it doesn't quite work. Uh, I just wanted more of Sultan's Sacrifice, bigger world, more to do, but they had to put the randomization of bosses teleporting everywhere and spawning minions. And there's sometimes you'll spawn into a level and there'll be like three bosses on top of you with all their minions and they're fighting each other and then they're fighting you and you're like, what the heck just happened? So, I don't know. It didn't really work that well for me. Yeah, it seems like a little bit of a deviation from the main game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's not really much of a story structure compared to the first. I do like that it has more color and uh, atmospheric and polo, uh, particle type effects, but... Uh, there's just so many changes I don't like. There's no, you know, when you leave a zone, you have to start from the very beginning. There's no, uh, there are stones to return back to the hub spread throughout the map, but you can't return to that last point you were at. You have to restart the whole level again and kill all the same stuff again, just so you can find this secret because you found a tool that helps you in another level to be able to go back to that level to find that thing. And it's it's not very fun. It'd be like playing a Metroidvania or a Castlevania game with no ability to go back to an old location. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. It was mixed bag for me. But that's what I've been playing, and it's been pretty fun. Nice. So I was actually checking my collection. I, I actually do have a copy of Strange Brigade as well that i haven't yeah. dove into well if you so. ever you guys ever want to play it let me know because i i like playing it on the ps4 it's fun yeah i'll hit you up if we decide to play it um my wife and i play actually i just remembered i had a currently playing i didn't list uh, my wife and i play a game together and then there's games that we play on our own um so the one that we're actually playing together right now is Catherine on the ps3 oh man yeah have fun with that yeah I, dude i like it so far it gets hard i hear no, so far, it's so good. So we'll see how that goes. All right. Well, before we jump into our discussion topics for this week, I uh, just want to say you can find the Game Deflators at thegamedeflators.com, our out-of-date website. You can find us on YouTube now. So hit the subscribe button on YouTube if that's how you like to listen to podcasts. We're hoping to have more shorts and things like that developed over time on the uh, the YouTube channel as well as video of podcasts. Um, we'll see if that happens anytime soon. But for now, we are frequently updating on a weekly basis. So got that out of the way, which is kind of nice. Uh, you can find us on social media at the Game Deflators on Twitter at the Game Deflators on Instagram and Facebook. 
And of course, you can find us on the podcast app you're listening to right now uh, or other podcast applications out there. Feel free to leave a five-star review. All right, discussion topics. So the first thing that we have to kind of get out of the way here is Phil is actually a new member of the Premium Edition Games team. Woo! Ta-da! So Phil, can you tell us a little bit can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing with them? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I recently became a member of Premium Edition Games. Uh, I've been friends with several of the guys for a while now. Barry Carenza, he's been on here a couple of times. Love that guy. Um, he's a really great friend. We're always talking in Discord. Uh, sometimes I wonder if I'm annoying him <laughs> as much as we talk, uh, but he's he's wonderful. Um, so I, uh, I I joined the team recently, and it's been really awesome doing customer service. So if you uh, ever have a question or a concern, uh, or you're submitting a challenge patch, because we have we have these really cool challenge patches that you can. Uh, earn by opening the game up, completing the card, and submitting it uh, to us. Uh, so if you reach out to us at uh, uh, support at premiumeditiongames.com, you may be talking to me. Uh, and it's been really great. I'll have customers uh, come in and they'll submit a challenge and they'll be like, oh, this makes me think of the Atari or when Nintendo used to do cool stuff like this and it just made me feel like a kid again and I really love it and thank you for doing this. It's so awesome. And that just fills me with so much joy. It, it, I just I just love it. And talking with the guys and all the plans that we have, it just feels like bros hanging out, kind of like on this podcast. It's, it's, it's fun. It's been a blast and I love every moment of it. I love everybody on the team. They're so talented, so amazing. It's just, I I feel so blessed and honored when, when I got to be a part of the team, uh, I was just in shock. I, I was in happy tears for like a whole week, every night, just being, thank you so much. Thank you so much for this opportunity. So I'm just, I'm just so ecstatic. Well, I'm super happy for you. Yeah, we, uh, we definitely like the premium edition games team and we've met, I guess a few people in person, they were out here in Arizona. Um, so we got to meet a couple members then picked up a game actually while they were here. And uh, of course, we've had Barry on, I don't know, I wouldn't say too many times because we always want Barry to come on the podcast, but we've had him on a lot of times. <laughs> have um, you submitted challenge patches for your games yet, John? Uh, I did for one of them. I haven't done Phenotopia yet. Mm. Yeah. I'm very picky and choosy with what I buy. Um, so it was in between, what was it, Phenotopia? And I forget what the other one was um, that I was interested in. But I, I'm always on the lookout for what they've got each season and a uh, really each series, I guess. And um, I'm excited to see what comes out next. Yeah, we got, uh, we got PS4 stuff in the works. That's going to be awesome. Can't wait till that we get to show off what we have for that. So it's 2023 is going to be a good year for premium. Yeah, awesome. Can't wait to see fun. it. So uh, next topic here to kind of dive into is retro game collecting. And, you know, we talk about that quite a lot on the podcast. Um, but really kind of getting, you know, your experience, Phil, you're in a more rural area. I think you're 
an hour or two away from the actual city. So thrifting can kind of be a bit of a pain for you. And then, you know, I myself am, you know, 30 minutes to an hour, but I got a little bit more flexibility just based on the city I'm in or area I'm in uh, around the city. Um, so I want to dive into a little bit of that. So, you know, I can, and Ryan, I mean, if you want to kind of chime in too, I know you're not big in the whole game collecting thing. You're more so in the lines of, uh, walk into John's house and pull games off the shelf. Type of collecting. Um, except he doesn't have Pikmin for some reason. Except I don't have Pikmin. I don't know what's up with that. I, dude, I swear. I thought for the last like 15 years that I own Pikmin. I assumed you did too. Yeah. That's like the worst assumption that I've ever had. Dude, there's games that I've pulled in my, like look at my collection on my list. And I'm like, I have that. And then I'll look on the shelf. And I'm like, no, I don't. Like somehow it got like mismanaged at some point. Pikmin, I may have had like a loose copy back then and mm -hmm. I sold it because it was a loose copy and it wasn't complete. Possible. I don't know. But so game collecting for me, you know, I already kind of dove into like the persistence and trying to find these deals. But in, you know, since I've moved out to Arizona, I've been here going on, geez, going on eight years now that yeah. I've been out here. And, you know, I've had where I started collecting was more like a smaller city, a couple hundred thousand people. Um, but it was near like a Navy base. So, or, or mil uh, one military base. I don't know if it was Navy or air force, but, uh, with Navy and military and in general, a lot of those guys, because they have like money that they can just spend while they're out, you know, in the base, they'll pick up like tons and tons of games and then they'll sell them all right back. Or they'll be out there for a few years and they're like, oh, I'm sick of this. I'm going to go to the flea market and sell them there. Or I'm just going to give them to the thrift store. So I used to get tons and tons of fines. So like my Rule of Rose, my Kuan, my Conkers, Bad Fur Day, all of these games that I picked up over the years, uh, like my heavy, heavy hitters, my Saturn Bomberman, stuff like that. I got on the cheap, but that was because of the area I was in. It was just like plentiful of gaming turnover, I would say. Um a lot of people either didn't know what it was, uh, like if it was a value, um, or they were just looking to get rid of it cause they didn't want it anymore. Uh, or they would sell it cheap just to kind of get it off because, you know, they were being deployed somewhere. So they just wanted to sell the stuff and just be gone if it cause they couldn't take it with them. So little things like that. And I mean, I had a flea market that I would go to and I would literally sit there for four hours every single Sunday or every single Saturday, Sundays I'd occasionally go, but I would start from like, 5 30 6 a.m and i would end at 10 and then go start my shift at the game store at like 11. that was literally every saturday and i found so many collections by doing that and so many great deals like i picked up my sega saturn sega cd sega genesis games a lot of my good stuff i picked up over the years was from that flea market now i'll tell you from a like a garage sale perspective or general picking and like trying to find things on like a Craigslist, all that absolute nightmare. If that flea market wasn't there and the amount of Goodwills and other thrift stores in the area weren't there, I never would have amassed the collection that I had because when it came down to things like garage sales, they just weren't present. Or if they were, because it was a more rural type of town, you had to go around quite a bit in between garage sales uh, to be able to find anything. And half the time, there was nothing at them, you know? So it wasn't like, and other collectors in the area, same deal. Um, they all knew to go to this flea market, but there was a specific way in which you would go about searching this flea market. And I just had it down pat. So I was constantly picking stuff. Um, and then, uh, you know, obviously thrift stores in the area is a super big help as well. Um, 
being able to hit up like, and pawn shops, lots of pawn shops. So being able to hit up those pawn shops and thrift stores, like I would, I would go teach somewhere, uh, as a teacher at the time. And I would just kind of make my way around. Like I knew where every single thrift store pawn shop and Goodwill was on my way home. So there were days where I would hit like six of them, maybe eight of them, like in one day on the way home, just had my little trail and I would just make my way home. And sometimes I'd come up big. Sometimes I wouldn't, but it was always fun. Um, and then moving out to Arizona, I tried a lot like similar tactics. I was like, okay, I'll hit the thrift stores. Like that's what I'll do. And very few and far between on thrift stores and pawn shops, same deal. Uh, sometimes you find them, sometimes you don't, uh, but you have to keep going. And then the flea markets out here are terrible. Um, it's all of like, you know, wood decor or cactus or like spices and hot sauces and weird things that people are making it that's pretty much what a lot of our flea markets are there isn't anything like what i used to go to at least in my general vicinity uh so it's really kind of ended up being facebook marketplace garage sales and uh you know craigslist and such which was never the case in where i used to live so i've had like completely 180 the direction in how i go about finding collections and what i'm willing to pay versus what i'm not years ago i wouldn't pay more than like 30 percent of a game's value uh, when I was picking it up, now I'll go up as high as 60% of the game's value paid out in cash. So it just, it's really kind of a pick your battle um, and what you're willing to pay and how you're willing to go about it, depending on the area you're in. So for me, that's city collecting. Uh, but Phil, I'm definitely interested to hear, you know, your opinion on uh, rural game collecting and where you're located. And if you have any questions for what I do, feel free to ask too. Well, uh, honestly, I hadn't had the opportunity to go out and hunt too much. Um, I've looked on Facebook Marketplace in my area a couple of times. Um, ever so often, I'll just get curious if I could see anything on there. And it's there's just never anything. It's like somebody's selling a bunch of sports titles or there's some dirty looking console that looks like they literally dropped it in like a landfill or something and rolled around with it. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how it can look that bad. And, and there's just really nothing to find. Uh, I went to the city recently, did a, did a YouTube video of that. And I went to GameStop. I don't know. I, I thought maybe they would probably have some like 3ds games hidden there. Cause, uh, What's that one um, 50 cent game that's kind of gone up in price? Uh, I forget which one it was on the 360, the PS3. Don't remember the name of it. But I did find an Xbox copy of that. It was a little roughed up. But uh, I found that in there at one GameStop. So I thought maybe, maybe I'll be able to find something here. Because they also had a deal where you could buy a couple of their pre-owned games for real, real cheap. Went in there, really was nothing. There was maybe one game that I wanted, but the rest were nothing I was looking for or I already had it. So I left there. I went to one place called Vintage Stock. They had a lot of shelves of games, but like 80 to 90% of it was just sports or like Barbie this or just nothing you would actually want or even the stuff that's kind of uh, licensed eh, but still 
enjoyable. Nothing really like that. But it's so funny because you walk in there, oh, there's so many games, but then there's probably like 5% if there is even a good game. I did see, uh, I think it was Xeno, Xenoblade, uh, no, not Xenoblade, Xenosaga Xenogears. 2. Yeah, Xenosaga 2 uh at the very at the bottom of it and i was like that's really cool but i already have that i'm not interested in having a, a dirty uh dented up copy of that and they i think they were selling it for like 40 or 50 bucks i think that's i, th- I believe that's kind of what it goes around i think uh but i i also went to a place called five below uh i saw a cheap ass gamer and wario 64 they tend to say hell hey there's a really good game deal over here at this weird one-off store and i went in there and they had some like generic controllers and and no games um it's it's really hard to find stuff people around here don't care about that it's similar to what you said where there's garage sales and there's like a grandma selling her old rocking chair or some pot and jar or some handmade craft thing that nobody would want but you know like maybe your aunt or uncle and i'm just like why is it so difficult so most of the shopping i do is online i i don't really find anything uh for a, a crazy good deal uh uh, probably the only good deal that I got uh, a couple of years ago was a friend uh, I made friends with on Facebook. He sold me all of the Xeno Saga games for like I think one thirty-five, and the third one goes for like two hundred. So that was really awesome uh, that he did that. But that's about really it. As for getting something for like. Yeah, so my my suggestion to you yeah. is see what sells out there. So if you're going to, you know, garage sales in your area, or you're going to the flea market, you know, think of things that you can buy and then sell online and then use those funds to buy your games. Oh, like that's that's honestly the approach I would take. So, you know, and I, I do that occasionally, too. Like I found um I'll show you here on screen, but I found this little Stranger Things pop figure. All right. Yeah. I bought this for $3. Sells for about 45 Whoa. Um, I got it listed right now. So if I sell it, I sell it. If I don't, whatever, it cost me 3 bucks. Point is, that's a deal I would have never thought about. Uh, board games. I found a two-player version of Settlers of Catan called Rivals of Catan. Sealed in box. Still sealed, shrink wrap and everything. $3. Right, sells for twenty five. So those are little things that, as you pick them up, I can sell that, and I can put that towards a brand new video game, or I can put it towards a retro game that I've been wanting for a long time that I just haven't been able to pick up because it's just out of a price range I'm willing to pay. And I did that recently for Graffiti Kingdom on the PS2. I think that's a sixty seventy dollar game. I sold enough little knickknacks and stuff that I found recently, but I put that money into going towards Graffiti Kingdom. So nothing really out of my pocket. It was just more so other knickknacks and things I was selling. Um, and I know people shit on me about that um, for reselling stuff, uh, little knickknacks. But you know what? It's it's just the way things are nowadays. 
it's yeah. so hard to come across cheap game collections just for the purpose of collecting games cheap. And if you find any sort of deal, somebody's going to swoop in just to resell it. So, you know, it's, there's no shame in it. I mean, there's tons of collectors out there. that will say they don't resell, but everybody does. I, uh, I was, I was going to say it's like, it, it has gotten difficult with how YouTube has blown up and you got these hidden gym videos and big YouTubers saying, Oh, look at this game that you never knew about. And then everybody's like, Oh, go on eBay and scramble to find it and buy all the copies. And it raises up the, the value. And I, I, and, and people are more aware now, like video games back then, it used to be like only nerds like that. Nobody wants what, you know, it's like when, when, D and D was a thing. Like, oh, it's a it's an evil thing. Don't let your kids play it, or don't play those video games that'll rot your brain. And now everybody loves video games. It's become bigger than movies and television to some degree. Uh, and I remember this one time I went to the store around here. It was a local. They were more focused on Magic the Gathering cards. If you came in for that or you came in to sell, oh, you were like the king of the castle. They would like just roll out the red carpet for you. I come in there to look at video games and they're like, yeah, it craps over there, you know, just whatever. And just the score, the store was kind of scummy and, and dirty and it just. It didn't, it didn't look great, and I, I would be over there looking at games, and I saw the Dark Souls uh, trilogy steelbook, and it was starting to go up in price, starting to get pushed into the hundreds, 150 range, and they had it there for like, I think 65 or whatever, and I put it up there, and it had the old sticker on it, and this guy's like, okay, he pulls out his phone, and he's like, well, I'm going to have to raise the price. And I'm like, no, that's not okay. Because that's the sticker you had on it. You should honor that price. It's your fault for not doing your due diligence and making sure all of your items are up in the value that they're going for. So I don't think it's right or fair to just treat somebody like they don't matter. And then when they go up to try to buy something, you're like, let's jack up the price. And I see uh, some stores do that all the time. Just flip open your phone see, oh, let's see what the going rate on eBay is. So we used to have a place out in Florida in a place I lived and it was just that. The guy didn't, his store was dusty. Uh, lights were super dim. It honestly, it felt like you were going in somebody's basement and that they hadn't <laughs> redone the basement. It was... It was one of the dirtiest stores I'd ever been in. And he had tons and tons of Sega games, uh, for, like Genesis games. He had PlayStation 1, plays everything you could think of, right? He never updated pricing. So I remember one time I had a stack of games. One of them was about a $150 game at the time. And he had a $4 sticker on it. And I was like, oh, damn. I'm like, I know this is worth money. So grab that, grab the whole bunch of games. I go up the counter and he's like, all right, uh, hold on one sec. He started typing away at his computer. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. He looked up every single game. That $4 game became a $160 game. A $15 game I picked up that was $3 became a $20 game and so on. And he just kept jacking prices up left and right to the point where I said, all right, well, good luck selling. 
and I walked out like his whole, his whole method, I guess, is that instead of trying to work on his prices and get all that stuff situated at first was, well, I'm not going to sit here and just update my system and update all the game prices. I'll just let collectors come in, pull games off the shelf and bring them up to me and I'll look them up on the spot then and then put up the price. And it's just going to consistently be that case. He went out of business, obviously, and sold, sold it years later um, to the game store I actually worked for. But it just sucked. Like, you just think you got a good find and all of a sudden it's like, nope, I'm just yeah. going to rip that away from you right now. Yeah, I don't really find so. good finds. But but man, when you do and they do you that way, it's so discouraging and kind of uh insulting too it's like you don't care enough about this stuff to actually treat it with care but then when someone has interest in it then you want to jack up the price i'm sorry i'm gonna walk right out when you do that yep ryan any thoughts on our collecting yeah i mean it definitely sounds like you know you've got it rough out there trying to find anything in the wild but you know trying to find deals online can be just as hard, but you can still come across stuff every once in a while. Like John said, you know, persistence always kind of pays off. And as far as like the pricing stuff like that, I mean, I remember uh, like a year or more ago, I went into some store and it was right before I got back into magic. And I was like, Oh dude, I should get some Pokemon cards just like for fun because like everybody was kind of getting Pokemon cards at the time. And like I went into this place and their prices were like all jacked up. And it's because stores kind of sell whatever, despite what, you know, retail pricing might be sometimes, especially on like things like that, when the market demands high or like, you know, in those situations, that's just like total bait and switch. Like you're suckering me into, I want to purchase this. And then you're going to jack it up trying to you know with the intent of me being like well okay i guess that's just how it is and forking over the money instead of you know like you were saying you know like hey no this is not right you if you want to charge something it's your job to put the freaking sticker on the box like that's kind of how it should be like mistakes can be made on either side of a transaction sometimes but like that's just like bad way to do business is to let people just kind of oh this is you know i have expectations and then it's like nope i don't have expectations i'm gonna charge you whatever i feel like my phone says and unfortunately it's local game stores that do exactly that because if you walked into a corporate game store like a GameStop or um like an fye or something like that some place with a, a place you could complain to yeah exactly so if you go into like for us it's like fallout games if i found something in fallout games is 30 dollars less and they caught on to it. They'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. That's not the right price. Oh, well, I'm not going to buy it then. Okay, well, somebody else will. Like, they don't care. And I know a lot of people say support your local game store. But sometimes local game stores can be dicks. Yeah. 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 So. Definitely can. You mentioned Pokemon cards. I uh, actually tried to sell Pokemon cards that I still have probably a year or so ago when people were going crazy about it. And I had the prices listed accordingly, even marked, you know, cards that were damaged. I checked, you know, the app. I, I tried to do my due diligence because I'm the type of person that doesn't want to take advantage of someone, but don't want to be taken advantage of. I want it to be fair uh, for both parties. Yeah. And these people kept coming. It's like, your cards are trash. I'll give you like 50, a hundred dollars. And I'm like, are you kidding me? 
Well, and it happened so many times, so many times. I was like, you know what? Just forget it. I'll just just keep them. And I think I'm going to just give them to one of my friends. And it's like, I, I don't want them anymore. Just take them. I, it's not worth me trying to sell it because people are just ridiculous. Yeah, that's, uh, and unfortunately, it's the way of doing business for some of those small places. So just kind of have to put up with it and sell on your own if you want the best value. Um, all right. So articles. Uh, so this week, a strong Nintendo Direct also showed why the end is in sight for Nintendo Switch, and that is Cat uh, Bailey at IGN. So really what this is covering is the fact that Nintendo had such a fantastic Direct. I mean, we're getting to Baden Kato's uh, remaster. We've got Etrian Odyssey 1, 2, and 3 being released. Uh, Metroid Prime uh, has got its remaster shadow CF... drops nonetheless. Yeah. See Yeah. Right. That's pretty badass. Uh, sea of stars, uh, demo has been released with the announcements, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles three, uh, and, and just tons and tons of great games. Zelda game boy, game boy advance. Batten Kaitos. Batten Kaitos. I'm so excited for that. I screamed like a little girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, now I don't have to pay like $100 per game to, to play that. But um, so, yeah, a, a ton of great stuff. But it brings into question the Nintendo Switch again and its life expectancy and what we can anticipate in 2024. And, and Ryan, I think I had brought up uh, a new console by the end of this year, an announcement at least. Mm-hmm. And then we've kind of talked about how spring is usually Nintendo's time frame, anyways. So 2024, new Nintendo Switch, that's got to be what happens because I just cannot see them, you know, given the issues that Pokemon had um, from a hardware perspective and given where the industry is going right now, you can't continue to move forward to just the Switch. You have to upgrade at some point. And whether that's a Switch 2, whether that's a brand new console in general, it's to be decided, but uh, personally, I would like to see a new switch with backwards compatibility and updated everything, right? Maybe some bigger carts as needed. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just kind of where things are. So I guess, Phil, what's your, your opinion in general for like the Nintendo switch and where things are right now? And, uh, is the end in sight or is it not? Well, first off this IGN article, (laughs) I want to say I don't particularly care for IGN too much. Um, it's just my personal thing. It it just feels a little weird to kind of be the elephant in the room with your article. I, I get it. Get what you're saying. And I agree to consent. But we just had a really bombastic Nintendo Direct. And then you drop in this kind of negative article and putting this back on people's minds and it's like we know it but can't we just be happy about this thing for like five minutes about the negative thing here like do you have to be that kid that nobody likes in the class that's always acting up that's how it kind of feels to me but that aside i will agree that it is time for a new switch switch to some kind of upgrade device because we all remember when nintendo consoles didn't have the good third-party support 
where if they did have third-party support like on the Wii, it was completely different from the PS3 and 360 games, and it just felt weird, and it wasn't fun to play. I mean, that could probably be blamed on the Wii mode. But that, that aside, even the Wii U really didn't have a lot of third-party support. And I always felt like maybe that's because of the limitations of Nintendo's hardware. They're always about fun games, but lack of power and specs and performance. But if they want to continue to get a lot of third-party support, like if they want to have another Witcher game or another Dark Souls game on the Switch, they're going to have to get some more power. Like A lot of these games, when... Sony and Microsoft really start pumping out the games that require the solid state drive and not just, oh, you can play it on the PS4 and on the PS5, but really those games and other developers, third party, really start pushing that too. Nintendo is going to be left behind if they don't get something equivalent to sort of the Steam Deck where it has a solid state drive. Now, I don't expect them to have a device as powerful as the Steam Deck going for $600. That would just be crazy. But they have to have something that can at least sort of keep up. Or some kind of upgrade to what they're doing. Because if they don't, I just feel like the games are going to keep declining. And I want Nintendo to still be able to get those type of games. I... I really want people to just be able to choose the platform they want to play on and still have the same experience. It gets really discouraging to always go, how does this game run on that platform? Is it run better? I have to choose this one over that one because this one, the game runs really bad and the frame rate's bad and it's it's glitchy and sluggish. And then over here it runs smooth and it just gets frustrating as a gamer to have to think about those things instead of generally being excited for video games. So Nintendo has to do something. I really hope whatever they do is backwards compatible with Switch. I honestly was disappointed when the Switch launched and it couldn't play 3DS games. I really thought that would have been great to have uh, for the Switch. Uh, so here's hoping they... Uh, they do backwards compatibility with the switch. So we're kind of at that point already. When you look at the new Harry Potter game that came out. Uh, so Hogwarts legacy has been pushed back on the switch actually further back than the PS4 and the PS4 is pushed back because of development issues and needing to get the game to run right. So, I mean, we're already seeing that and it wouldn't be a surprise to me if we saw third party developers say, you know what, we're not going to bother the switch. We're at, ps5 we're at the life you know the end cycle of ps4 and if we're already seeing hardware limitations on ps4 for these brand new titles the switch is definitely in that conversation right off the bat so um, yeah go on right i i hear what you guys are saying with this but you know nintendo you keep saying that they've had like all these lackluster consoles without that great a third party support i think that goes to show that they just made the third best selling console of all time you know and really got a lot of support for that one so that kind of trended them up but they've been able to survive in the past without great support and i think that there's definitely going to be a big difference in the future moving forward between like you know 4k crazy 
gaming on like the PS5 and stuff like that and what the Switch 2 is going to represent. But I think the Switch 2 kind of like the Switch 1 will be in a good happy place to catch some of that fallout from what came before. Like people bought The Witcher and people bought Dark Souls on the Switch because it was like, hey, I could play this portably. Now we do have the competition with the Steam Deck, so they do really need to, you know, step it up. But like going back to the direct and how good the content we actually saw there, like it was all great stuff, but none of it was like new stuff. So I think the most telling sign about the Switch 2 coming next year is that, yeah, we've only had like one Mario game on this console. Uh, She references at the end of the article, like, you know, how big Animal Crossing was like, well, they have a big title like that for Switch 2. I mean, it's been three years. So if we're looking, you know, second year of the Switch 2 coming out with the next Animal Crossing, like you're going to get a lot of people coming back for that. So I think that they really, you know, brought it home with a great, this is what 2023 is going to be. Here's a bunch of really awesome stuff. Um, you know, we didn't get anything about Metroid Prime 4, which, you know, I was hoping for. But I think they're really in a strong position to have a great launch lineup when you look at all the things that haven't come out on the Switch yet that we've been expecting to. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, it's like you said, it's very telling that we have we have such a great 2023 lined up on the Nintendo Switch. But it really does feel like it's Nintendo kind of this is the end of this console. We're putting the rest of our big games out. And then after this new console, if and they it would keep not... remaking GameCube games to hold us over, I would be fine with that. Oh yeah, I would too. Actually, <laughs> if, if they do physicals for them too, I'd even be happier. <laughs> yeah. It might just be play Asia for us all, but you know, we'll yeah. see. I think play Asia has a tree and odyssey for like $85 right now, which well, is Metro. I don't dumb. care. I'll Remake buy it. coming out for 40 bucks. physical. Yeah, the Metroid Prime remake at, at like 45, you said? It's at 40 bucks. It's physical too. And that's going to be on like February 22nd or something. Yeah, yeah. I saw, a war, I saw, um, Wario 64 said it was sold out at Target, Best Buy, and, uh, I forget where Amazon. And I was like, man, I hope. And people were asking, is this going to be a limited print game like Bayonetta and Mario 3D? And, and Nintendo didn't say it was, but it just sold out because I think people are expecting it to be one of those things and they're panicking. And I hope it comes back because I didn't pre order my copy of Metroid Prime and I've, I've won a dang copy of that. Same. It'll Same. come back. Nintendo yeah. prints money with its games and it's just a. Uh, you know, pre-orders are going to sell out. That gives them an indication as to how much they're going to need to actually put out in the market. And they've got X amount allocated. Like that's already been decided a long time ago. So you'll be able to go to your local Walmart and pick one up, you know, at a cheaper price point. Yeah. Um, Okay. So let's dive into, you know, when we talk about pricing, uh, Nintendo says Zelda tears of the kingdom, the $70 price isn't the trend going forward. And that's uh, Chris Scullion at video games Chronicle. Um, You know, so Ryan, I, you know, you you had the pleasure of playing Pokemon Sapphire or Scarlet, whichever one. Scarlet and uh, what's the other one? Violet. See, I already forgot. Violet, yeah. Jeez, like that's how much I, I don't care about those Pokemon games right now. Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously you had your share of, you know, 
fun I limitations. Have, yeah, I didn't have that big of like issues. Like I had one crash and a little bit of slowdown here and there, but for the most part, it wasn't like what I was seeing a lot of people reporting, although I still didn't finish the game or play it again since. Yeah. So, I mean, given the experience you had with a game later in the Switch's life cycle, what is your opinion on a $70 price point for Tears of the Kingdom? So my opinion is that it better be flawless technically, and I don't want to see any jank. And I think that if we have to pay $10 more for a jank-free title, you know, you could just consider it like buying the ad-free version of the game. And as soon as I wrote that line, I was like, okay, yeah, uh, I realize ad versions of games are coming as well. So in the future, look forward to $80 games that are full of jank, but ad free. Yeah. And $60 <laughs> if you want the ad, you know, ad version. I just uh, don't get it. Like from everything that I'm understanding that I've heard of Tears of the Kingdom, like it's, it's definitely ambitious. It's got a lot going on for it. But it's reusing a lot of assets and it's a lot of stuff that was like left over that they couldn't put into the first one. So I'm hoping that the, you know, seven years they've spent on it was spent editing all that stuff out because they were like, if we release a bad Zelda, then the, the Miyamoto quote, like, we can't do that. It's got to be perfect. That's what I'm hoping for. And I'm hoping that $70 justifies it so you know nintendo is saying from a trend standpoint that they're doing their best to maintain both the value and price of hardware and software with their long-term business strategy and uh, they don't believe that any changes to this policy are necessary at this stage is what they're saying in regard to like this new 70 dollars price point because this is the first game that they've put at 70 bucks for a standard uh, version i honestly think this is a tester and they know everyone is going to be paying the $70. Everyone is going to pay this for several years, unless a new version comes out for like a new console, uh, which is maybe a precursor. Again, this isn't this, the trend for switch, but it might be this, the trend for switch too. the yeah, $70 corporate talk. And so, you know, that could be another indication, Hey, new console coming out. It's going to be $70 games um switch will stay at 60 but these new ones will stay at 70 which is kind of the approach sony took uh with its ps4 and its uh, ps5 games so i can see that being the case moving forward um and it's very much like like i said we don't believe that any changes policy are necessary at this stage that's very clear this stage of gaming so and that stage is the current nintendo switch so um you know, I'm with you. If there's jank in this game, it's going to be super disappointed. Um, there shouldn't be, given the amount of time that it's been in development. And that extra $10, Nintendo knows you're going to pay for it. It's going to help fund whatever the hell they're doing next. And they're going to make a boatload of money off of this title. Yeah. Phil? Phil, any thoughts on your end? Yeah, I have some thoughts. So, that line... We determine the suggested retail price for any Nintendo product on a case-by-case -case basis is such a PR response that it, it's just, uh, it's, it's laughable. There, <laughs> This is a tester, and I feel like they're going to start charging more uh, 70 for their future titles. Uh, and... <sighs> 
Personally, I haven't even played some of the other Zelda games for Switch, so I'm not really going to drop 70 on this. I looked at the collectors, uh, and that's kind of cool, but I saw some people saying, well, the previous breath the game in the series breath of the wild it's collector's edition and like a master sword statue and more stuff and it was around this price and people like oh but inflation and la la and this and that uh so i i don't i don't know i personally i know they're reusing a lot of assets for this game how much assets they're going to reuse we don't know because they're not really showing off the game. It's like, here's a little clip, and then here's a cutscene, here's another little clip. But it's not straight up real long stretches of gameplay that we're getting to see, to see how much has changed. So that's why it also feels weird. They're just dropping the $70 price range. And if there is not a lot of new in this game, if they don't do a lot of good stuff, if this game comes out and it has tons of technical issues, which honestly I feel like it is, uh, kind of like all those Pokemon games, because I think it's embarrassing to release a new Pokemon game, quotation, new, even though we know that they reused assets from the other ones, uh, in such a poor state, if it's if they can't release a, a Zelda game, you're like, no, no, Zelda can't be like that. Pokemon can, Adam. I I personally feel like that the seventy dollar price range is weird because I've never seen a console ever just start increasing its games prices in the midst of its life cycle. It would be like Sony increasing PS two games from 50 to 60 for no other reason but just to do it so it feels very weird uh i definitely consider it testing to see what they're gonna do uh but i would say expect to see more 70 dollar games if this sells really well and the collector's editions have been selling out so people are buying it regardless that's kind of how nintendo fans are they'll just They'll grumble for a second and then they'll run to Nintendo and just embrace them every decision they make. And that kind of always annoys me, but it is what it is. I'm not going to be buying it. And another problem I have with the $70 price uh, is Nintendo games never go on sale. I'm still waiting for the Nintendo Selects for Switch. Why is Mario Odyssey still like... Fifty dollars. It's so weird. That should be like twenty or twenty-five by now. Yeah, I. Uh, one thing I always like to look at when stuff like this comes up is, you know, Nintendo could just go like full Wild West, like back in the day, where you'd see like, you know, magazine ads from like the eighties or whatever, and they got like one hundred and twenty dollar games and eighty dollar games and sixty dollar games. It's just like all over the place price point wise like we've seen budget games like budget double a titles those have always been a thing but like this idea of like the more premium has never really been like 
a thing since like the standardized marketing of games like other than like additional pack-ins it's always been like oh we'll charge you more for the game but you're gonna get like some digital stuff you'll get some extra guns or some skins or or Mm -hmm. whatever like that'll make it more premium so we could charge you more but this just idea of you know what this game uh is more than the other games because it's more game than the other games in some way we've determined you know i'll tell you um i think that the ten dollar price point increase is to pay their lawyers for when they get subpoenaed by uh microsoft and and uh, activist oh yeah 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 so uh, (laughs) nintendo and google uh are getting roped into the microsoft uh ftc defense right now and this is uh, justin carter at game developer uh wrote about this one so uh basically this is still a thing um microsoft is still trying to acquire activision uh it it doesn't seem to be getting any better for them and they recently uh put out a subpoena for nintendo and i think it was google uh yeah google said in the article obviously her title uh to come to court um i guess to face the ftc and so Nintendo and Google actually requested a delay on this to February 16th and 17th with the hope that it will, uh, you know, limit how much they can actually talk about or just get them removed from this altogether because I guess they don't want to get roped in. Uh, But Microsoft is clearly feeling some sort of way that they need to pull in, you know, competitors, I suppose, if you could call Google a competitor still. Um, So Ryan thoughts on this i know you love talking activision acquisition so this has been a crazy week for this kind of news i don't remember exactly who i saw saying this but earlier this week i saw some insider uh tweeting that you know this was basically like a done deal probably gonna wrap up mid-may but then you've also got bobby kodak out there dropping like vague death valley threats against like all of england's tech center if this deal doesn't go his way and saying you know you know if it doesn't i'll just sit back at blizzard and keep making my money anyways and then they uh they're trying to like get them to say okay you know what we'll let this deal go through but not the call of duty part you got to sell that to somebody else and it's like okay if the call of duty is the issue like the only other person who would buy it would be Sony, and then you'd have the same problem. Well, you'd like, have like Take Two or somebody else would buy it, or like one of the other major developers, like EA, could technically get Call of Duty. You know, whether or not that would be the case is God. Let's hope not. Yeah, I know. Like Death of Call of Duty, I'm okay with it because I don't have to hear about it anymore. <laughs> no, I just don't want to see what EA would do with it. <laughs> oh, I would love to see what EA would do with it and burn it to the ground. It'd be hilarious. Um, but yeah, you know it's annoying to just keep having to talk about this i don't know what they think they're going to get from nintendo and google that's gonna you know nail in the coffin this deal through but you know whatever it is it's probably just another stack on the pile of stuff like this whole thing is so just going on and on and on and on and i know that it's like the biggest merger ever of this kind and at this point, I'm leaning more towards not wanting it to go through just so that it can be done and dusted. And also, you know, because when corporations win, like they're the only people that ever win. So like eventually this is going to be bad for me somehow, like despite me wanting those games in Game Pass really bad, you know, whatever down the road, I'll be screwed. I'm sure. 
So here, here's a couple thoughts on this. Um, one of them is, say it doesn't pass in the UK, but it passes like everywhere else. That just means the UK is not going to get these games. That's really what it kind is of... Is that what it means? To. Yeah, because like it's... So if say like... So you have the bigger powers, obviously, in the global basis. And it kind of works like... Um, how would you say it like the united nations how like you have all these nations right but like there's five key nations like the u.s and china and uh, the five markets the uk really. yeah the, the biggest markets really kind of determine what happens because they're the most powerful the most assets so when you think about it from a gaming perspective it's a very similar process in that the regulatory committees for all of these different countries determine um if it's going to be approved if it doesn't get approved then they're not able to do business within that country so essentially if the u.s said oh no we definitely disapprove this merger it's not happening on our end then they wouldn't do business in the u.s specific to that it's from what i understand so um like chile which is already approved in brazil they're okay with microsoft doing business as it relates to microsoft activision within their country um so that's kind of a big thing. It's like when you think of these major markets, if a major market says, no, you're not going to do business here, that's a huge loss of revenue, which is why they would be more likely to not go through with the deal. Because if you have the UK and say um, the US and maybe like Australia and New Zealand said, no, we're, we're not approving this and Canada, I suppose, then those markets, because you can't do business there, means a lack of revenue coming from those markets, which means you don't want to move forward to deal because why would you? You're not going to make your money. Um, so that's the idea behind that. Uh, as far as um, Bobby Kotick and Activision is concerned in general, you know, what if it doesn't go through and then Activision just says, okay, well, screw you all. We're going to make our games exclusive to Microsoft. You know, like from a shareholder well, perspective. Well, that would make any sense. It, it wouldn't. You would have to take the company private at that point um, because shareholders would be pissed. But point being is they could still say, Oh, well, we're releasing this game exclusive to Microsoft. We're releasing this game exclusive to Microsoft. This one's going to Microsoft. Like Final Fantasy's gone. Yeah. Basically screw over Sony and every other company because of this. So I could see that actually happening if this deal doesn't go through, which will be very interesting to see um, if that happens. Yeah. Phil, have you been keeping up with this one or no? I don't really keep up with what Microsoft does, honestly. I lost interest in Microsoft products after the 360. I didn't like the whole TV, TV sports thing they did with the Xbox One. I actually made fun of that in my, uh, my, uh, my tour to the city trying to find games. Um, I just think it's a huge mess. And, and poor Nintendo and Google getting roped into it. It's like Microsoft sitting there going... Hey, buddy, remember when you we let you use Banjo-Kazooie and Smash and uh, you could got to put out 007 again? Yeah, can you come help bail us out, please? And I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> this is nothing on us. You need to figure out your own stuff, bud. <laughs> it just it feels like such a mess, just a complete mess, and... Oh man, a Activision, the the state of a lot of their i, uh, yeah, the IPs. I I do not like what they did with Diablo. I am so mad about some of their decisions, like Diablo two, that that remake remaster thing. You have to have an online connection to play that, and then Diablo four is going to be the same way. It's like okay, I guess Diablo three is the last game. 
for me because I don't like that as a collector and a preserver of games. Like you just ruined a series that I really, really love with your weird decisions. Like what is going on with you? So I, I don't know. I don't care about Call of Duty. I get so sick and tired of seeing those games everywhere I go. If that disappeared tomorrow, I would be fine with it. Um, but I know there's a lot of people out there that love it, and it's a huge moneymaker for some odd reason. Uh, if that ended up getting locked to where one platform couldn't happen, there would be so much rage going on from the gaming community over it. Like, if it wasn't on PlayStation, uh, Sony fans would just be rioting in the streets about it. So... I, I don't know. It's a huge mess, and I hope it gets resolved. But uh, I, I say they need to leave Nintendo and Google out of it. Like that's that doesn't seem right to me. But whatever, they're gonna do what they want to do. So before we get into the uh, inflation deflation segment of this week, I do have to say I read another article on the side that said if Call of Duty was no longer on PlayStation, only twenty four percent of PlayStation players would actually switch over. That's what I was reading. So take that as you will. I won't, I won't be switching over. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Um, all right. So inflation deflation this week, we played mystic defender on the Sega Genesis. Uh, so it was developed by Sega published by Sega released in January of 1990. It's an action RPG that has around a, maybe a seven out of 10 range uh, for its actual ratings. Um, Plot-wise, Mystic Defender takes place in an alternate Japan fantasy setting in which the anarchistic sorcerer Zarif kidnaps a young woman named Alexandra. Zarif plans to use Alexandra as a sacrifice for resurrecting of an ancient and evil god known as Zhao. Not long after the kidnapping, Zarif's plan becomes apparent as Azuchi Castle, the dwelling of Zhao, rises from the waters. Joe Yamato, which is the most Japanese name I've ever heard for uh, an action RPG, as uh, an experienced sorcerer, uh, is called into action to save Alexandra and stop Zarif's plan to resurrect Zhao by battling his way through the dark and bizarre disciples of demons of Zhao. So, yeah, I got all that. I got all that from playing this game. <laughs> You know, I actually did get a lot of this. I mean, you see the castle raising from the water, you get the background that comes with it. And then you do see all of like the demon disciples and such that we were fighting uh, in the levels we played. And, you know, just to talk a little bit about like the experience I had, I felt that the game itself is actually fairly difficult for a platforming action RPG. Uh, a lot of pitfalls when you're trying to jump from platform to platform, finding your way at the start of a level and anime and the enemies reanimating pretty consistently. Yeah. Absolute chaos. Um, but you do get like unlimited, you know, attacks and, and such an energy ball. So it's not a big deal. Um, as far as, uh, the actual, like gameplay, I think that's, that was my big part music wise. I felt I enjoyed it. I love retro game music, so I'm always going to be very positive on that. The art style was very nice for this game. I, I felt very much in, in tune with what we were seeing, and it was pretty high quality for uh, the style of gameplay. And, um, you know, the overall enemies were were pretty cool when you think about it. Like a lot of the, the sprites and such that you saw on screen um, through the different demons and the types of enemies that you came across in various levels uh, were pretty badass, including the bosses that we faced. Uh, that first boss, by the way, was hilarious when we played. 
Um, so Ryan and I struggled for a good while until I'm like, I'm just going to watch like how to beat this boss and make sure we're doing it right. And we found it. But then in that video was a cheese where you literally just sit on a corner and launch energy. Balls totally necessary. Totally necessary. Um, yeah. yeah. So I personally, I thought the game was pretty cool. I liked it. I think it's deserving about seven, maybe even an eight. Yeah, this is this was pretty all right. This is your pretty standard Sega side scrolling, large sprite action platformer. Um, you've got like a charge attack that is start. You got just like a little like Hadouken that you shoot. and You could charge that into like a triple blast uh, in the second level. We got this like crazy flamethrower power. Uh, I don't know what else is going on in this game. That's about as far as we got. But I don't know. It seemed like a pretty all right time. Uh, some of the some of the things that I found most difficult, it was one of those games where like sometimes what's the background and what's the foreground in like the city level. It was like confusing where to go, where to jump. Um, some of the jumping was a little tight for me. I, I'm not a big Sega person. Um I had a decent enough time. It was fun. Uh, follow up to Shadow Dancer last week. Was that last week or was that the week before? That was two weeks ago. We did one. Uh, Shadow Dancer was I don't remember like last week or the week before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was kind of like a fun follow up to that. Like when I think of Sega games, this is what I think of: like big, tall, detailed ninjas blasting like monsters and demons in the forest. Like that's like ninety percent of my Sega memories. So I assume that's most Sega games that I haven't played. And this definitely fit right in with that. Uh, looking at just like other screenshots on line, it, it looks like this game goes some crazy places. So who knows what lies down the road for Joe Yamato, not me. <laughs> I love that name. So, um, you know, looking at this from a pricing standpoint, brass tax, we've got a complete in box copy right now runs you 4660. Uh, that peaked at $71 in March of 2022, but it's trending up again. A loose copy will run you 2099. That peaked at $31 in May of 2022. That is also trending up right now. So, you know, given that the game is trending up, um, it, normally I love collecting complete in box loose copies. I mean, complete in box copies, not complete in box loose copies. I'll collect both, but complete in box mainly. Um, I think at twenty ninety nine, you're actually getting a pretty good deal for this game. I think it's well worth the twenty bucks uh, that you would pay. Uh, from a complete in box perspective, I also think, given that it was at seventy one dollars a year ago, and prices did drop, but they are continuing to go up, and they will continue to go up. That's not a matter of if; it's when. Uh, I honestly think that this is priced just right right now i i think that this is the best you're gonna see for a long time and it is a good game it's not like it's some crap game that kind of has been sitting there for years you know how crappy games already go up in price for some reason the good games are always kind of like eh for the most part in price this is a good game and um if it continues to go up uh it will be worth the 46 dollars that you pay now versus later on the 60 or 70 you pay yeah have you ever uh played this or heard of this game phil i have not heard of it i will have to look at some gameplay honestly i'll be straight with you guys i don't even have a sega genesis i had one when i was younger yeah. at a brief period <laughs> um i don't even have super nintendo uh that work i have some super nintendo cartridges loose but i have no sega cartridges at all 
I don't really have a lot of those older retro systems just because the device to play them I don't have. I, I did see something like the Super NT, but the thing is so stupid expensive and then kind of collecting those old games complete in box the, the cardboard is like really fragile i think the only complete in box super nintendo game i have is uh, aladdin but the box was kind of crushed when i bought it um it would be cool to have some of that stuff but it's also a space hog and just trying to get yeah. in box or a lot of stuff now is so expensive uh, I always did love those Sega clamshell cases, though. Those are really nice. Mm -hmm. I wish Nintendo would have done that for the NES and the SNES. I thought it would have been better. Um, but yeah, I, I would like to play that. I do have the Sega Mini 2. I don't know if it's on that or if it was on the first one. Uh, I thought about maybe modding it so I could have more games on there. Because I would love to experience some of those titles I had there's so many yeah. titles that I never got to play, so I definitely uh, would like to play this, and that's a good price to jump on it. Um, so I don't know, maybe maybe it's time to kind of try to find a some device that lets me play Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis games and the actual cartridges, but with like HDMI or whatever, and then and pick up a few titles that I want, but I don't really know anything about that. So maybe y'all guys. The Retron Five. Retron Five is Retron it pretty good? Five. Yeah, it's pretty. It's good. all right. Uh, I heard the earlier Retrons were, were kind of bad, like the earlier ones or something. Like yeah, that. yeah, they they were terrible. I used to sell them in the game store. I would never recommend them over original hardware, but the Retron Five is pretty good. I like it. We've not really had much trouble. The controller is kind of whatever on it, but you know but you can you put can in plug original. in originals if you want. Oh, yeah. well, I'd probably just buy me a couple of originals. Yeah cool i'll look into yeah, and you can upscale yeah it's pretty cool all right so ryan are we saying just right on this one you know i inflated i want to say inflated on this because honestly as far as looking at you know big pretty ninja sprite games on sega like i think it could have done better like he didn't have a sword he didn't you know well he's a sorcerer Oh, is he a sorcerer in this game? Yeah, why would he have a sword? He's a sorcerer, not a sword. He looks, not, he's he not looks a, like a ninja. He's not a sorcerer. He's a sorcerer. Mm. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I I don't know. I still think it's inflated. I don't <laughs> think this game was that great. I, I think you could spend 20 bucks a lot better elsewhere. All right, well, I still think just right. Okay, well, we'll figure out what we're playing next week uh, when we record. Uh, however... Uh, this week we were joined by Phil of Phil One Up Collecting. So thanks again for being on. Yeah, thanks for me. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. It's great to talk with you guys. Maybe we can do it again soon, sometime. But yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Let the people know where they can find you again. Yeah, so you can find me, uh, Phil One Up Collects. That's my YouTube channel. Uh, I'll have like an animated picture of me style with Dragon Quest yellow background with like a Cloud's Buster Sword holding a one up mushroom. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter by the same uh, name. Um, and of course, when it comes to premium uh, support at premiumeditiongames.com, if you ever need some help, 
you'll be talking to me. So, yeah. And definitely check out Premium Edition Games' website. We have a lot of awesome products right now. Uh, vinyl. We just released our first vinyl and soundtrack with the NPC. So if you like retro music, that's awesome. Um, so, yeah. All right. Sounds good, man. Well, this has been episode 222 of the Game of Players podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan. And thanks for listening. Thank you.